Turn your Bibles this evening to Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, verse number 1 and following. We want to talk a little bit tonight and share a message I've entitled, Whose Image Do You Bear? Whose Image Do You Bear? The Bible talks a lot about the image that we have and what kind of image we project uh, to a lost and dying world when God planned the, the plan of salvation. Uh, he had more in mind than just rescuing us from a, from a, from a place called hell. He had more in mind than that. His plan included not only justification, uh, righteousness being imputed into us, um, and the forgiveness of our sins, but it included beyond that the glorification. One day we'll be with the Lord. That is, we'll be out of the presence of sin. Sin will not be part of our lives. We've been learning and talking about that on Wednesday evenings. But he also included this matter of sanctification. Growing in the Lord. Growing in grace. And that idea of sanctification is really the, the truth and the idea of us looking Christ-like. Uh, being transformed. We talked this morning about the transfiguration, which leads me to the topic tonight of the transfiguration, the transforming, the change that takes place in our life. And that's God's plan for our lives, is that we be changed. It's a process by which that we are conformed into the image of God. We are saved by faith. We then then go forward by faith. And that change takes place. Uh, That change is, is a continual process. None of us have ever got to the place of perfection. We've never gained that sinless perfection, and we will not uh, on this side of heaven, uh, but the idea is not sinless perfection, as some may teach that you can gain that, but the idea is to sin less, that we are continually being transformed into His image. The idea is uh, really being surprised when sin comes into our lives, and we often, you've heard me say this, so oftentimes we, li- we live in such a way where we're, we're surprised when we do right. Um, boy, that was, a, that was a, a high point in my life. But how about being surprised when sin actually comes into our life and that takes us off guard. That we're not looking for that. We're not planning on that. But it becomes the rarity rather than the exception in our lives. So that's the idea of moving in this matter of sanctification every day. Every day we're growing in grace. Every day the work of God is taking place in our lives. We become more and more like Jesus Christ. And as we consider this idea of transformation, the idea of being transformed into His image and the image of Christ, the Bible has much to say with regards to this. And So let's read. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, and we'll, if you have your Bibles tonight, and I trust you do, we'll look at several passages of Scripture. Uh, Romans chapter 6, such a tremendous passage that deals with the, the sanctification, the walk with Christ after salvation. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. And like as Christ was raised up 
from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk, notice that, should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. And henceforth, we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, just the same idea, likewise, reckon yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye may obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. So here we are talking about this matter of being freed from sin. The idea of sanctification. Now, if we're going to go on in Christ, if we're going to go on to bear that image of Christ, then there's some things that are going to need to take place. We first of all must understand that we need to change. You know, most of us live our lives thinking that they need to change. If they would just get fixed, if I could somehow just change her, or somehow if I could just change him, then life would be so much simpler. But really, the matter is, we're the one that needs to be changed so often. And our problem with someone else is the fact that we're not willing to change. So if we're going to go on in Christ, we must understand that we need change in our lives. Look at with me at 1 John, please. 1 John chapter 3. I told you you'd be turning several places tonight. 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him, look what he does. He purifieth himself. Now, he purifieth himself. This does not mean that this matter of sanctification is all up to us, and we'll talk about that a little bit tonight, and it's all left up to me. But knowing that Christ is in me, and what Christ has saved me to, be, to do and to become, then there's a work within myself that I must be willing to allow myself to be purified. And there are literally some things I just simply need to say no to. I need to say no to some things. Every man that hath this hope within him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Christ is the one. He's the one that's forever pure. And our lives are to be 
conformed into his image. So there must be the agreement in our lives that we are the ones that need to be changed. We ever come to the point that says, I'm just good where I am, then we are of all men most miserable because we're not willing for change to take place. This matter of sanctification says, I need to change. And we must believe not only that I'm the one, I need to change, but we must be willing to understand that it is God working in us that produces the change. It's not me working harder. It's not me uh, setting a, signing on to a new set of rules and regulations. But it's literally me understanding and putting my life in the hands of God, yielding myself, as Romans chapter 6 says, yielding myself to the work of God. God wills within us to do His purpose and His plan, but He also enables us to do His purpose and His plan. So there must be agreement in our lives that we need to change. There must be the belief that God will change us. Some people say, well, this is just who I am and, and, and I, I've tried and it doesn't work. The, that Christian life doesn't work. Well, if we're trying to do it in and of ourselves, it doesn't work. But when we yield ourselves to the Lord and let God work in us, that's when change takes place. We must yield to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Question. Are we living a yielded life tonight? Uh, so often the things that take place in my life, and I come back and I look at them, and the, the times when I've made wrong decisions, said wrong things, gone a wrong direction, I go back and evaluate that. You know what? And I find that, you know, I wasn't listening to the Holy Spirit. I wasn't yielding to the Holy Spirit in my life. You know what I did? I did what flesh wanted. I did what I wanted to do. So there must be that willing to allow myself to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about change, what are we talking about? And I think this is much confusion today. So, many, uh, so much of modern religion says, well, you just come and get saved, and, and that's all there is to it. And again, we've talked about this matter of getting the, the, the fire asbestos suit or, or the escape hatch or something like that. So I'm just good. God really doesn't care about the outside. All he cares about is the fact that we've made a profession of faith. But no change takes place. And the Bible clearly says that when every time that there was an encounter with God, God says, go, he said to that woman, go and sin no more. And so God expects change in our life. And I think one of the most harmful things in Christianity today is says that, you know what, you can just come and, and trust Jesus Christ, but nothing needs to change. Nothing needs to, to happen in your life. You just get saved and it all stops right there. Where in fact, if there is no change, then the Bible says we ought to examine ourselves to truly see if we be in the faith. Because it is a changed life that gives us confirmations. The Spirit of God bearing witness within my spirit that I have been changed, that I have been born again. That's a key factor in salvation. So if I'm always doubting, if I'm always under this cloud, am I saved, am I not saved, am worried about this and I'm worried about that, then we come to the realization, we ask the question, is there known sin in my life? Listen, the devil will take an individual who's Claims Christ, made a profession of faith, and if there's known sin in that life, the devil will go to seed on that, and he'll run you ragged, doubting your salvation. So how do I know? 
Well, it's this matter of a sanctified life, growing in Christ. So we're talking about a changed life tonight, bearing the image of Jesus Christ. This matter of a newness of life, newness of life, raised to walk in that newness of life, just as Christ did. So what's, what's to change? Well, we first of all have to understand the contrast that happens. There's a contrast, and, and I think many times this is where we fail in this matter of sanctification and growing with the Lord. We must understand that there was a sinful past. And so we got to understand there was a time in my life when this is the direction I'm going. And when salvation takes place, there's a transaction that takes place. There's a contrast from the old way into the new way of living, the newness of life. Look with me at the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3. A little bit more of a lengthy passage, but I want us to see what is being said from the Bible with regards to this newness of life. New means new. Uh, That's no new revelation. Well, new means new, right? New does not mean old. And so here we see some differences here. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Mortify these members in Christ. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In the which ye also walked, look, some time when ye lived in them. You walked. This was a past life. We used to do this. And now when we were living the old life, we were living the flesh life, we lived in this kind of thing that was mentioned above. But now, here's the transaction that takes place. This is the exchanged life. There's an exchanged life that takes place. But now. You also put off all, the, all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off, put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. The exchange life. What are we exchanging? The old man for the new man. What are we exchanging? <laughs> Excuse me. What are we exchanging? The old spirit for the Holy Spirit. What are we exchanging? The no victory for new victory in Christ Jesus. The exchange life. Now, one way to understand this newness of life is to understand there's a difference. There's change that takes place. Go with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, please. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 1 through 3. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. 
And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Notice the past tense. And you hath he quickened who were dead. What were they dead in? Trespasses and sins. This is the condition of the old life. Dead spiritually in sin, in trespasses. Sin and death come into the human race through Adam. And we're all born into this. It is something that we are by nature and it's also something that we are by choice. And we experience this from Adam. Uh, Romans chapter 5 and 2, you won't need to turn there, but just to add to the thought that we're dead in trespasses and sin. Therefore, as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin, so death is passed upon all men for all have sin. This is the condition of the old life. And he's mentioned that. Dead in trespasses and sins. And then he mentions out of verse number 2, not only the condition of the old life, but the conduct of the old life. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So the conduct of the old life is according to the course of the world. It's according to the course of the world. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, it can play itself, flesh itself out in many different ways, but it's literally the idea is... I want the world to like me. And I'm going to do what I need to do so that the world will accept me. I'm living in such a way that the world will be pleased with me. So we're living according to the course of this world. By the way, is against God. The, the philosophy, the ideology of this world is not godly, but it's earthly. It's wicked. Well, we don't have to look very far to see all this. So in the old life, I'm living according to the course of the world. I'm trying to please the world. I want the world to be pleased with me. Number next, not only am I living according to the course of the world, but I'm living according to the prince of the power of the air. I'm living according to the prince of the power of the air. That's what he mentions out of that verse. So what does that look like? I'm living in such a way that I may not... Recognize, or I may not be audibly saying, but I'm living such a way that pleases the devil. I'm pleasing Satan because of the way I'm living. And again, I may not have just set out to say, you know what, I'm going to get up today to please the devil. But the way in which we're living, that's exactly what we're doing. Not only am I living according to the course of the world, pleasing the world, living according to the prince of the power of the air, I am living in such a way that pleases Satan, pleases the devil, but I'm living also in such a fashion according to the flesh, according to the flesh. So what he says out of verse number three, among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. So we're living in such a way that's pleasing to self. Pleasing to self. So this is the way which we were living. Living for the world. Living for Satan. Living only for self. This is the old way of life. The contrast. But when Jesus comes in. When Jesus comes in. 
There's a change that takes place. Listen to Colossians 1 and 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. The devil is real. The world is real and the flesh is real. And we are held as sinful man, an unsaved man, we are held in bondage to the flesh, to the world, and to Satan. We're held in bondage to the prince of the power of the air. We're dominated, if you will, by those specific things. That's the old way of life. A man can make every... New Year's resolution, he can say, I'm going to stop this, and I'm going to stop that. And he can do all the things. And he may make some uh, small progress in his resolution, but he'll never change his inner core. He'll never change his heart. Only God can do that. Why can't he change his heart? Because he's held in bondage to these things. But when Jesus comes in, when a man is born again, he is delivered from a slave life to from the world to the flesh and to the uh, to the to Satan, he's living as a slave there, and he's translated. He's born again. Jesus said to a very religious man, Nicodemus, "You must be born again." He's translated. He's brought out of that bondage, and now he's placed in Jesus Christ. So there's a control in the old way of life. An unsaved man can't stop sinning. Sometimes we maybe look at someone and say, "How?" How ignorant can someone be? Why in the world are they doing these kinds of things? Well, the answer is pretty clear. They're lost sinners. Sinners are going to do what sinners are going to do. And we can't expect sinners to act like Christians. But we ought to be able to act and expect Christians to act like Christians. That's not uh, out of the ordinary here. The first one is wrong. The other one is ex- ought to be expected. And it is out of the Word of God. So... We were children of disobedience, living in rebellion against God. Now, these things all describe the unsaved life, the old life, the course of the world. Now, again, that old life is being ruled by the enemy in these ways. So what is a life? Now, we got to think about this. What is our lives? What is life to you? Is life more than, certainly it is, more than than breathing and eating. Some of us live to eat and, and, uh, and, and, and do those kinds of things. And, and that's all fine and dandy. But life, we think about life, the course of life. We have so many years we've been given here on planet Earth. And we, we live our lives. So life is this. How do you describe life? Life is what we think. Life is how we act. Those things are life. Life is how we feel. These things all are included in life. How we think, how we act, how we feel. Those particular things really weigh heavy and bear enormously upon our lives. But it's, it's part of our life. Life has to do with how we perform our jobs, how we carry out our tasks throughout the day, how we treat people. That's all part of life. Life also involves how we behave. How we behave, included in life. What we think about morality. The world today says, think what any way you want to think. Every man does what's right in his own eyes. What's right for you is, you can't say it's right for me. So there's no right or wrong. So everything's right then. And, and so that's the idea of the world. But 
That includes our life. What do we think about morality? What do we think about marriage? What do we think about abortion? What do we think about divorce and homosexuality and all these other issues? Life has to do with, I believe, even it gets down to the minute details of life. It gets down to how we dress. It gets down to how we choose to entertain ourselves. All of these are part and parcel that make up our lives. But understand there's no part in our life that's not affected by our fallen nature. No part in our lives that's not affected by our fallen nature. And there is no part of our lives that does not need to be subjected or subject to change. And I fear sometimes when we come to our walk of the Lord that we say, Okay, God, I'm willing to be changed here and I'm willing to allow you to have this area of my life and make changes as you see fit here, but not over here. Uh, this one's kind of off limits. Just don't come into this room. This is where I enjoy me time and I enjoy my downtime. Lord, you don't have a part in all of that. But there needs to be change and willingness to change in every part of our lives. He says out of that passage, the curse of our lives. We're children of wrath. This is the old man, children of wrath. Human nature is a fallen nature. It's controlled by those fleshly desires. And they're opposed to spiritual desires. Desires uh, that are opposed are those of the flesh. And listen, we've mentioned this a number of times, but... We are not as the liberals and the, the people that's wanting to change our history today. We're not as they say. And they say we're basically just good people. But we just occasionally mess up. That's the, the mantra. That's the idea of today. And that's what's being taught in our schools and so on. But let me just add this. Biblically, that's a lie. Because biblically, we're all sinners. And if there's anything good at all, it's only because of the grace of God working through us. It's only because of His grace. And that old flesh is concerned with selfish, sinful thoughts. Things like dishonesty and deception and how can I get around this and, and how can I go around that and, 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 I, and that rule, how can I overcome this and do away with that. Apart from Christ, we respond to the events of life, we think about the events of life wrongly. We think about them in a fleshly manner, we think about them in a worldly manner, uh, and then we approach the things of life. We, we come to the issues of life and we approach these things when the events of life come upon us that old way we approach it with anger we approach it with selfish habits with self-pity with greed with lust with hatred conflict comes into our lives and before we came to Christ these things were who we are but when we come to Christ that ought not be doesn't mean that there will not be issues here. Doesn't mean that there won't be times when, when, when anger is going to rear its head in our lives. It doesn't mean there's not going to be times when, when uh, there's going to be uh, selfishness that's going to come up in our lives and other issues in life. But this is not a lifestyle for us. 
So we see the contrast that takes place. True salvation moves us from a sinful past to a new present. That's the issue. It moves us out of a sinful past into a new present. So we, there's a contrast. And, and so I fear is you, you ask people about their salvation and they will tell you how many times they've been baptized. And how many times they've joined a church or, or somebody saved them. Rather than God changed me. That's the, the evidence that's from within. That's the spirit of God bearing witness within our spirits. So again, that true salvation moves us. That newness of life. Again, what does the word new mean? It means new. Moves us from a sinful past to a new present. So now we go from that old way. And now we begin seeing something new. This is the victory in Jesus. Now we begin to see something new taking place in our life. We can see God's goal in our lives because He's changing us. He's changing our hearts and He's changing our minds. If we go back to Romans chapter number 6 with me again. Romans chapter number 6. These are the changes that take place. And, and there are varied and there are many. And at different, I think at different stages and issues of life, I remember... In my young Christian life, and there would be things that we just did. We just thought it was natural. And as we were growing in Christ, and we would hear preaching, or we would come to a passage, and we'd say, oh, we didn't know that. And it may have been down the road somewhere. But then there was an opportunity for obedience. There was an opportunity for submission. And so when we come to Christ, salvation, there's a change that takes place. Look at Romans chapter 1 and 2. And Paul is answering the question. There were some in chapter number 5 that were saying, you know what, let's just sin bountifully. Let's just let, let it all go because that magnifies the grace of God. Grace of God is so wonderful. So let's just keep on sinning because that just keeps on magnifying the grace of God. And Paul comes back and he answers that question out of verse number, chapter 6. Verse number 1, what? Shall we say then, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he says this. He answers it with what a powerful statement. God forbid. No way, no how. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? That's Bible. That's Bible. That's what God says to us, that when we are changed, that there's no, or there's a desire, or there's an effort within ourselves to say, you know what, I know that I need God in this area of my life. I'm not going to continue in that sin. I'm not going to continue going down that road, because I know it's against God. Shall we continue in sin? No way, no how. There's the connection to the new life. Not only should we no longer continue in sin. That's outright rebellion against God. Known rebellion against God. But then there's the connection to the new life. This enables us to go on. Verses 3 through 6. Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Christ. We're baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death. That's the picture of what takes place at salvation. This is not baptismal generation, regeneration, as some would try to teach. This is a picture 
an outward picture of an inward reality. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Buried in likeness of his baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. That's the idea and that's the picture here that we see. And he goes on to say, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, and the body of sin, what? What is it saying about this body of sin? It might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. So here's the difference. The change that's taking place. There's no longer that continuing Outright rebellion in sin. There's the connection to the new life in Christ that enables us to no longer continue in that sin. We're no longer serving sin. We read verse, we read verse number six. Look at verse number seven. For he that is dead is freed from sin. We're no longer serving sin. Some people say, Well, I can't stop sinning. There used to be someone years ago who would say, Well, the devil made me do it. No, the flesh. Uh, made me do it, and, and we, we, don't, we want to continue, again, sinners by nature, but also sinners by choice. We're no longer servants of sin. We're freed from that old bondage. He goes on to say, we're not to let sin reign in our mortal bodies. You understand, we're not to let sin reign in our mortal bodies. Verses 8 through 12. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that also... Uh, that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died into sin once, but in he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, when you get saved, you don't have to go on and continue to keep sinning. Uh, our mouths should change. Our lifestyles should change. And we can change because we're connected to the new life in Christ at salvation. And we're not to yield our members. We're not to yield our, our hands. We're not to yield our thought lives. We're not to yield our mouths. We're not to yield our feet to the, to the going after sin, to, to allowing sin to, to multiply into our lives. Don't yield, he says out of verse number 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Some of us just need to claim victory in Jesus. And said, God has freed me from this sin. And no longer, Satan, do you have a bondage in this area on my life. Leave me alone. And I'm claiming victory in Jesus Christ. And you know what? We may need to do that day in and day out. And the devil knows. He knows the weakness parts of our flesh. And every time he comes after us in that weak area, in that weak moment, we respond with our victory in Jesus Christ. I'm alive in Christ. No longer dead. No longer am I held bondage to that old man, but I'm living with Jesus Christ. I will not yield myself to these things any longer. I will not yield myself. So we're to yield ourselves. The dominion is broken. The dominion is broken. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law. But notice this. Not only is, is dominion of sin broken. But praise God. Grace is given. 
He says that out of verse number 14. But under grace. Grace is not giving us what we do deserve. But grace is also the enabling to do what God's called us to do. God gives us the grace. When does God give us the grace? Now, oftentimes when it comes to the matter of temptation and sin, we fall over into the temptation, we go over into the sin, and then we're trying to fix the mess that we got ourselves in. And we come back to God and say, God, forgive me. And by the way, we should keep short accounts with God over sin. I don't think it's wise to, 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 to maybe lay down at night and say, and try to remember all the things that went on in our lives today and say, God, forgive me for this, forgive me. You know what? My mind can't go back and remember all that happened during that day. But when there's sin in our lives, at that moment, say, Lord, I just made a, I just made a mess of this. Lord, would you forgive me? Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. God, I made a mess. Forgive me. And, and move on and, and seek that forgiveness from the Lord. But sin, uh, that grace is, is God's grace and forgiveness, but it's also God's grace in enabling. And God gives that enabling, I believe, when we make that step towards righteousness. That step towards righteousness. And that yielding, the moment we yield, the temptation may be there, but if we don't yield to that, and we yield to the Lord, we yield to the Holy Spirit, then that's when God pours on the enabling grace in our lives. Praise God for that grace. So we see the dominion is broken, grace is given. The most obvious characteristic of the walking in the newness of life is the ending of the reign of Sin and self of the old man. And the reigning of Christ in the new man. That's the issue. Newness of life is about being freed from sin. Releasing every area of our life from sin's enslaving grip and hold upon us. And we have to understand that sin has a grip in nearly every part of our lives. Every part of our lives, sin will have a grip. Sin will find a way to eke itself in. But we're to yield those things to the Lord. Yield those things to Christ. And it's not about a, having just a religious corner over here or someplace in your life. Remember, what is life? It's not just that little religious corner that's just a couple days a week. It's every area of our life. It's our thinking. It's our acting. It's our, it's our mouths. It's everything. It's our, in our vocation. It plays itself out in every area of our life. It's in the way we dress. It's in our, the way we spend our money. It's in the way that we are engaged in the Lord's work. It's in every part. It's in the way we raise our children. In the way we respond to our family and our neighbors. Those we work with. So we see that... This true salvation is a contrast from the old to the new. But it's also, it's not only that contrast is, and maybe I can add it this way and go further, it's a conforming. It's not just putting off, but it's a putting on. It's adding to. And I think many times we get so uh, out of kilter maybe as we, we look at just, if I, if I can just stop, 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 stop. And we may stop for a little while. But you know what? We go back to it. Why? Because we've not replaced. 
We've not replaced. When we put off the old man, we are to put on the new man. And that simply, how do I put on the new man? Simply live in obedience. Live in yieldedness to the Holy Spirit. I'm putting on, allowing God to work into my life. And God does that. We deepen as we, as we follow Christ, as we follow the Word of God, as we get into the Bible and let the Bible get into us then we deepen our relationship with the Lord. And when we begin to deepen that relationship with Him, when we begin to put faithfulness in our lives, when we begin to be obedient to what the Bible says, then God begins to make significant changes in our lives. And those things are His sanctifying work. And God is literally stamping His image Upon us. Stamping his image upon us. Go with me to Philippians chapter 2 please. And we're done. Philippians chapter 2 in your Bibles. I want you to read one verse with me. Philippians chapter 2. And verse number 13. You say preacher how in the world can we do all of this? Well the key is understanding we can't. But God can if we'll let him. Look at one verse. Philippians 2 verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you. Both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I want to do the good pleasure of God. But I find that in and of myself I am incapable. Amen. That is part of the victory. The other side is letting God work through you. Realize that you can't but God can and God will in your lives. Well, go to that verse. For it is God that which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. The relationship to the Lord creates godly desires. As we grow in grace, as we become faithful and yield ourselves, there's, God brings within us godly desires. He puts it in us. According to this verse, He gives us the will to do. That's a work of God. Well, I don't really want to live for God. I don't really want to do what God wants me to do. You know, it's okay to say, God, confess that is wrong. Confess that is sin. And say, God, would you put that desire in my heart? And then live in obedience and see what God does. And let God build that desire. He's the one that gives the desire. As we get closer to God, God gets closer to us. And we say, you know what? This is the desire of my life. I didn't want it before, but boy, do I want it now. I didn't have it before, but as I've grown closer to the Lord, as I've grown to love the Lord, God has put a desire in my heart that's insatiable. It's something like I've never had before. It's an amazing thing that takes place. It is that literally that transaction. God gives the will to do. But not only does He give the will, but He gives the ability to do. God will not give you a desire to do something that you are unable to do or you cannot do. Well, maybe he will. You can't do it in the flesh. But he's coming back to the point of saying he'll give you the ability to do it as well. You see, it really starts out with all the idea of we can't do any of it. But it's all the work of God. God now puts the desire in my heart. Lord, there's no way I could go to the mission field. There's no way I could sell my house and go off to Bible college. I got three kids. 
How in the world would this happen? What would this look like? I got something this depend on. There's no way I could do all of that. And God says, no, you can't, but I can do it through you. God put the desire there. He'll also put the enabling that comes along with it. To will and to do the will of God. That's what he does. God gives the will to do. What's he, what, what is it? What are all these things? To do, to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's where we need to be in our lives. God, boy, I, I, I'm, I'm, t- I'm done with the old self. That comes at salvation, by the way. This cannot take place before there's sanctification, before we can grow in grace. There has to be that, that settled, settled thing in our heart. I'm saved by the grace of God. Jesus Christ has come into my heart and saved me. And then as we walk in obedience step by step, maybe baby step upon baby step, we begin to see God do something miraculous that change that transforms us. And you know what? They begin to think and talk strangely about you because you don't run with them the way you used to run with them. What's wrong with that crowd? Do you realize that I have seen them pull out of their driveway on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night? And I've even seen their kids carrying a Bible. There must be fanatics. It must be off the deep end. No, it's God's work in our hearts, changing us, putting the will to serve Him and the ability to do so. This, my dear friend, is the changed life. Does it happen overnight? I wish I could say, yes, it does. And I believe in some cases, God just literally takes things out of the way immediately at salvation. But it's kind of like, you know, have you ever sat in a room in a really kind of a, or maybe in the morning or late in the evening, and there's a ray of sunlight that comes through the room, and, and it's there in front of you, and you're sitting there. Before the ray of sunlight, you look around in, in, in my wife's house, in warehouse, everything's dust, and there's no dust everywhere. There's no dust everywhere. But you all of a sudden, you say, man, this is a clean room, and all of a sudden, that ray of sunlight shine, comes through, and it shines in, and that ray of sunlight exposes all the dust particles in the air. You know, ladies, why you have to dust every day? Because all those dust particles flying in there, you just can't see them. And that ray of sunlight exposes what we couldn't see before. You know, I think God does that. He allows those rays of sunlight, maybe it's through His glory. We talked about the glory of God today. Maybe it's through trials. I don't know what God does. But He allows that ray of sunshine to come in. We say, boy... I didn't recognize and see how dirty this place really is. I didn't see before how needful my heart is. How needful my life is. And God says, those are the areas that I want you to work on. Those are the areas that need to change. And those are the areas, if you'll let me, I'll produce change in your life. That's the sanctified life. Growing in grace. Letting God finish, complete, continue. The work that he began at salvation. Let's bow our hearts in prayer.